Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Daniel. To the book of Daniel, chapter 6. That's in the Old Testament. I went ahead and told you earlier, early where it's at, uh, because if it may take you a little bit. Um, for those of you using electronic device, man, that's ruined us, hasn't it? These electronic devices on, on uh, I mean, you can just like, okay. You like those sound effects? Um, I want to continue talking about um, ethos. And to, to today, I, I mentioned that today would probably be the last week, but but I'm gonna this one's gonna take two weeks. And uh, uh, with the baptism, uh, it's, I'm gonna have a little less time to work it to work it out to work it through. Um, before, uh, let me say this before I before I actually start the message. Harvest, you you don't know. I don't think you know what an impact you're having in this world. Uh, when I talk about um, a different ethos, I truly believe that there's a different ethos that comes from this place. And we get, sometimes you can get used to, to just being, I, I have conversations occasionally with some people that remind me of what the religious world is like out there. But I forget it exists. Um, I really kind of, now you may not forget because you may be surrounded with people that are constantly remind you, reminding you, um, but, but I'm not, and um, I, think, I think sometimes it's easy to just forget what that world is like out there. There's a world that is so locked in on religion, especially here in the Bible Belt, and God needs God wants a different kind of church. There's a, there is a um, passage, and I'll preach on this sometime. There's a passage in 1 Chronicles, I think it's 1 Chronicles chapter 12, when David's talking about David's army and all the people that were a part of his army um, and these men from the different tribes who were coming in, and these were, these were war, uh, warriors, and these men were fighting men, and there was one little group in all of that, though. It didn't say anything about their ability with weapons. It said that they, and they were the sons of Issachar. And the sons of Issachar were, were people who had understanding of the times to know what Israel needed to do. They had an understanding of the times. I really think that we that we lack a lot of understanding of the times out there. And Harvest is going to be a church where we understand the times that we live in. And we take on the, you remember when, um, man, I don't know why I'm doing this, but it's okay. Um, you remember, <laughs> you're supposed to say, yeah, it's okay, bud. It's okay. You just... Um, when Esther was in the palace 
And, uh, and I'm not going to go through the whole story. Mordecai was there, and, and it, it, a lot of stuff begins to happen. But Mordecai says, um, could it be that you've been put in this place for such a time as this? I believe that we're here for such a time as this. I believe that harvest exists for such a time as this. Here's where people get stuck. A lot of people are still living in such a time as that. Are you tracking with me? It breaks my heart when I have conversations with people who are still in that, not this. And when I say that, I'm not talking about this as harvest. There's, there's other besides harvest that's here. But I think we're called for such a time as that we live in now. We can't reach people 40 years ago. That's over. Right? And we don't reach the 40, year, 40 years ago people the same way that we reach people today. And so we're going to do it the way God says to do it today, and we're going to hear his voice. And even though at times we may be outcast in a very religious area, even though we may be outcast, even though we may be talked bad about or anything, we're going to, we're going to live for such a time as this. We're going to make a difference in such a time as this, and we're going to be the people like the sons of Issachar who understand the times, who know what we need to do to reach this world for Jesus. Are you with me? Okay, you are dismissed. I don't know why. <laughs> this one, I'm going to share with you this ethos. I love all, I love all of these messages, um, and, and the, this one is one of my favorites. This one really works, works, down in, works deep inside of me. And that is the, it stirs my heart when we even have the discussions about it, but it's the spirit of excellence. There's an ethos, and remember we're trying to unlock a culture, aren't we? And we've already discovered if we're going to unlock this culture, we've got to quit screaming and we've got to quit talking, but we've got to go do. And that means we've got to go love, not just put we love people on a sign on the front of the church, but actually do it. When you say you're going to love people, that means you're going to love people who are not like you. It is really easy for me to love people who are just like me. But if we're really going to love, that means we got to love people who don't think like us, who don't look like us, who don't act like us. We've got to love people who are totally different than we are. That's when you find out if you really love or not. Tracking with me? We're going to honor the ethos of honor is going to come out of us, and all of this is coming out of harvest, and this is creating a culture that, is, that people are drawn by. Jesus is not out in the parking lot directing people inside. Jesus is not outside out here making coffee for anybody. Jesus is not at this desk out here welcoming people. He's not at the check-in places checking in people. He is not over here in the rooms uh, taking care of children. Jesus is not there except through the lives of his children who are there. And so when I look and I see those things and I see what you do and the excellence you do it with, uh, man, I'm telling you, it, it stirs my heart and it moves my heart. Daniel was a man of, of, who had an excellent spirit. Pretty amazing, but I think when we begin to walk in this excellent spirit to a, to a greater level, it's going to open the culture more and more. 
Um, I've said this from time to time, but I, I would love when somebody is, when somebody needs to hire somebody, I would love for the first, first thing for them to do is say, call down there at Harvest and see if they've got anybody, because we know those people down there, those people honor, those people love, they have an excellent spirit. I would love to see that happen. And that can happen. I, I mean, it already happens on a, you know, because there are some people who are there. I want to see it to be as a, a church as a whole that everybody is, is flowing in that. Look at uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 with me right here. It pleased Darius. Who's Darius? Let me set this up. Daniel... As a kid, as a young man, Daniel was, he was pretty sharp and uh, raised up in a good family. Daniel was, was, was one of the, could say, intellectual children, very bright. And while, when Daniel was just a young guy, probably a teenager, Nebuchadnezzar goes in and he tears, just destroys Jerusalem and comes in and takes some of the smartest away. One of them is Daniel, one of them is Shadrach, or in the other three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we know them most. And so he takes them captive and he takes them back to Babylon with him. You could say that they became his slaves. He takes them back and he keeps them there. And, and then we find Nebuchadnezzar at a point being overthrown by Darius and, um, uh, of Persia, and this is what we find. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, which in, is just, it's government officials, it's high-ranking government officials, to be over the whole kingdom. And over these, there were three governors, and Daniel was one of the three governors. Daniel has gone from being a young man taken from his home by force, forced into a situation um, within, in Babylon, not like anybody would want. I mean, it would be kind of like you and I one, coming in, somebody coming in here, from some other country, China, Russia, whomever, wherever, and they grab you and they take you back to, your, to their country and they make you serve them. And that was what Daniel's situation was. So Daniel has risen from this place to now he is, he is the governor. He's one of the top most powerful three people in the kingdom. We're going to find out why. So that the king, uh, or, and over these three governors, and whom Daniel was one, that the, the other uh, high-ranking officials might give account to them. So that the king would suffer no loss. This is a king that has put this guy, doesn't know his God, doesn't care about Daniel's God, doesn't believe in Daniel's God, yet Daniel is advancing through the process. I just want to stop and preach on, on every one of these. Maybe I do preach on all this a little bit right now, and then I can just turn it loose next week. But, but, but think about this. Darius was not advancing Daniel because Daniel was a believer. He could have cared less about Daniel being a believer. As a matter of fact, I think, if anything, it could have been a... It could have been a negative, Daniel being a believer, if Daniel being a believer was what we know as many believers today. 
who don't want to work, who don't want to give excellence, who just want to be victims and cry about why we're all being beat up and attacked and the world hates us because we're Christians. If anybody was hated, Daniel's people would have been hated. Israel would have been hated, right? But at the same time, we see Daniel advancing. Why? Because Daniel had an excellent spirit about him. Keep reading this. This Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the high-ranking officials because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought of setting him over the whole realm. This is, if, if you're confused about this, I, I use the New King James on this, this one, because it brings out the spirit of the thing, not just his outward ability, but it brought out the idea that it's coming from the inside. The next one, we're going to go the NIV. A little better descriptive of some things. It's amazing to me how Daniel in his situation is able to make these advancements being a believer in God, we just saw why he's able to do it. He had an excellent spirit about him. Coming, coming from within, his ethos was excellence, a desire for excellence. We all like to be around people who are excellent people, um, especially at certain times. If When my wife is having a brain tumor taken out of her head, I want an excellent surgeon. You know what I'm saying? I want to know, if I'm on an airplane, I want an excellent pilot. We all want, in certain situations, we want to make sure, I mean, if somebody's working on my car, I want an excellent mechanic. If, if a plumber is in my house, I want an excellent plumber. I want excellence. I need, I desire excellence when somebody's doing something for me. We've got to turn that around and say, God, our God, who is the most excellent God, you can't look into this universe and look at the stars and look at everything that he's put in place in this world without believing that our God is a God of excellence. I mean, look at the person sitting beside of you and say, that's excellent. Just, <laughs> man, look at that. This is almost excellent. I mean, you know what I'm saying? God, a God of excellence. And what our God in his DNA, God is a God of excellence, has put in his kids, his DNA. And if you were to be able to see your spiritual DNA, you would see a strand that is excellence. And when we begin to live that out, now I'm telling you it'll change our life. It'll change the life of the person that's doing it. But it'll unlock the culture. Daniel, unlock the culture that was godless. He got the gospel. In, in the end of this thing, this one little story here, Daniel's, the, the king who ends up in the process of having Daniel chewed up by lions, ends up saying everybody's going to worship his God because Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. Now, I'm going to give you, I don't know how many things. I've got five. But uh, I'm not, I know I'm not going to get anywhere close to near past one, probably. But let's look at number one. People with an excellent spirit work as working for the Lord. This is, this is really important. Because the reason Daniel was able to say, you guys 
okay, wait a minute. See if I'm hearing this right. You come in, you destroy the temple in my city, you take me captive, you drag me away from my family, you drag me away from my people, you, pr you put me in, in pretty well in captivity here, I'm a slave to you, and you want me to give you my best? See, some, you, you see what I'm saying? See, some of you are not giving your best at work right now because you're ticked off at your boss. I'll show him. Oh, you want to show favoritism to the little blonde sitting over there? I'll show you. I'm the one doing all the work. When I stop doing the work, you're going to discover who it is that's important around here. Did I get too close to something there? Wow, but I mean, I don't know. I'm looking at the faces and I'm thinking, I must have hit a nerve. Look at Colossians 3, 22 through 24. Slaves, obey your masters in everything. Now, some people have used this over time saying Scripture uh, gives credibility to slavery. That's not at all what Paul is doing here. What Paul, Paul's not saying slavery is okay. He's just saying if you're stuck in that, I want to give you a better way. I want to tell you how to deal with it. And, and we're going to take this in the situation of as being important employed in our jobs or anything else that we do but he says slaves obey your masters and everything and do it listen to this not only when their eyes on you to curry their favor but with sincerity of heart and reverence to the lord he's saying excellence is going to come out of your spirit and that means you're going to be excellent when nobody's looking you're going to be excellent when everybody's looking you're not going to be excellent just to get some, something from someone to hope that they're going to see you and give it. No, you're just going to be excellent because you've got a spirit of excellence. And when nobody's around and there's that piece of paper laying on the floor, you're going to walk over and pick it up. You're not going to wait until somebody's watching to say, hey, I'm just going to walk over this thing. But all oh, the three people watch, I'm going to reach over and pick it up. A spirit of excellence says, I'm going to reach down and pick that piece of paper up and throw it in the garbage can just because it's inside of me to do stuff like that. Does that make sense? We do it as we do it to the Lord, as, as unto him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is, Christ, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Do you get the picture? Do you see what he's saying? And we see that in Daniel. Daniel was able to climb the ranks that he did because Daniel had an excellent spirit, which meant he didn't pick and choose. This is the beautiful thing about having an excellent spirit working as to the Lord. So if I'm under a car, I'm working as to the Lord. I don't care what my boss says, what my thought boss thinks, or my attitude toward him. When I'm laying under a car and I'm trying to fix a car, I'm working as to the Lord. When I'm back there serving, I'm working as to whatever you do, you're working it as to the Lord. Does that make sense? That'll change everything. It's so easy for us to gauge our, the excellence that we give according to what we think we're going to get back. So if I think I'm going to get back more, then I'm going to be more excellent. The thing is, is you have no idea the plan of God. God is more concerned about us having an excellent spirit 
than he is on what the circumstances are in our life. And when he begins to get that spirit of excellence deep inside of us, then the rest begins to happen on the, on the other end, on the outer end. Does that make sense? Daniel didn't know uh, when he started as a kid given excellence to a, a place when he is in slavery and captivity. Daniel didn't know he's going to end up being third in command over the whole kingdom. But he did it. Why? Because he had excellent spirit about him. Something inside of him drove him to this place of excellence. Um, why did he have, how was he able to get there? I think this is the important part because the less intimate we are in our relationship with the Lord, the harder it is. You can either work really hard to try to sh live out the fruit of the Spirit, or you can really just live really intimate with the Lord and it just happens. You see what I'm saying? You can say, okay, I have to love, I ha I need, I'm supposed to have joy, I'm supposed to have peace, I, I'm, okay, I've got to start acting like I've got these things, the fruit of the Spirit. You can do that, and you can work really hard trying to produce fruit, or you can get really close at the root level to the giver. And when you begin to walk in intimacy with the giver, it becomes easy. The same thing with an excellent spirit. You get up during the day and you go out, and if you're not in an in intimate relationship with the Lord, then you're going to have to try much harder to be excellent. You're going to have to try much harder to be aware of the moments that you need, you know, of, of excellence. You're going to be, it's going to be so much more difficult, but when you are in intimate relationship with the Lord, it just flows. It's so much easier. I think sometimes that's why the, 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 the life of a believer is so difficult is because if we're not in intimate relationship, if we're saved, you know what I mean? If we're saved, I mean, we've, we've been saved. We're in the kingdom, but we don't have a living, vibrant relationship with Jesus, then it gets really, really hard trying to do the things that we've been told that we need to do. Or if we're in intimate relationship with the Lord, it begins to flow out. Look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, and we'll talk about that decree next week. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Daniel had an excellent spirit, and it, was, it come out of him because it came from an overflow of his relationship with God. Does this make sense? Daniel, every day, Three times a day, he's praying and giving God thanks. Every day. I think the giving God thanks, giving God thanks is, is, gives you a little picture into it because prayer for us has become giving God a Santa Claus list. Sometimes when you use the word pray, maybe, maybe the word having a conversation with God. Um, because prayer now takes on the connotation of ask, 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 ask. Anytime we mention the word prayer in church, a lot of times people immediately, the mind goes to asking. But what we read here is that he began by giving thanks. And that shows me intimacy. You gotta, you gotta be 
intimate with somebody to meet with them three times every day and you can't help but just walk up and say thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for your change in my life. Thank you for how you have been working in every situation in my life. Thank you that you got me out of that situation. Thank you that you shut the mouth of that person. Thank you that you gave me strength when you didn't shut the mouth of the other person and they kept on talking, but you gave me courage and you gave me strength and you gave me wisdom. Thank you. When there's a thank you involved in the situation, it tells me there's some intimacy involved in the situation. There's some recognition involved in the situation that God is there and at work in this person's life that there is something going on between the two people. Are you getting what I'm saying? That intimacy is what, out of, out of the overflow of that intimacy, is where we find excellence flowing out. I'm going to give you number two, but I'm not going to talk about it because I, I don't have much time. People with an excellent spirit raise others to a higher level of excellence. Have you ever experienced that? People with an excellent excellent spirit raise others to a higher level of excellence. I'm going to tell you a story, and then I'll tell you again next week. Um, When I was in high school, I played on uh, the high school golf team. And I, I was a decent golfer. Decent. But I noticed that when I played with the Duffers, the Duffers were those people who played on the golf team just so they could get out of school early for matches and practices. And so I I noticed something that when I played with them, I didn't play well. My game suffered. But then I noticed that when I was put in with the players who were more serious about the game, some of them hoping to get a scholarship and play in college. I noticed that those people uh, were more serious when I played with them. My, my game rose to a whole new level. Has anybody ever noticed that in any area of your life? When you get around people who just don't care? When you get around people who have this entitlement mentality, when you get around people who are grumbling and complaining all the time, if you hang around them long enough... It'll, it'll start to catch. But if you hang around excellent people, they'll pull you up. The other people will pull you down. But if you hang around people with an excellent spirit, I'm not talking about a spirit of perfection. And, I'll, and I may mention a little bit about that next week because some of you are afflicted with a spirit of perfection and that will kill you and that will kill your marriage and that will kill your family and that will kill everybody around you because you can't reach it. It's an impossibility. But a spirit of excellence is different. I want to do whatever I do as, as best I can do it. A spirit of excellence. They will lift you higher. I want you to think about the people in your life. Um, who do you have in your life that you, with a spirit of excellence, are reaching down to help pull up? And who do you have in your life with a spirit of excellence that is pulling you higher? Who have you put around you? Who have you surrounded yourself with that's actually taken you and saying, I want to take you to a higher place. I want to show you there's a better way to live than that. If you find that person, figure out who they are, and I'm going to ask you, send them a text and thank them this week. Thank you. Your spirit of excellence has influenced my life. 
and it's caused me to want to rise to a higher level. It's caused me to want to walk at a greater level of excellence than I would have had I not known you. Does that make sense? I think people need to hear that, don't you? And you've got people. It could be a mom, could be a dad, it could be a family member, it could be somebody at work. I, but, but we all have people, and if we don't have people, then we need to start saying, mm, something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? And then we need to fix that. We need to spend a little less time with the grumblers, complainers, the puller downers, and we need to find some people who have a spirit of excellence to help pull us up. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you again next week.